Get our Bibles out. I, I, before we you should get, turn to First Thessalonians five twenty three, and then we're going to pray for we're going to pray about one more thing because I think it's important. You got it. Now I want us to pray. You don't know this person. This you've never seen this person. This person has never, up until yesterday, had never entered a church in this area his whole life. And last week, my neighbor's wife passed away. And uh, isn't it odd? He now has my phone number. He knocks on the door. He walked in here yesterday. You know what the first thing he observed? Man, there's a lot of Kleenex boxes in here. I said, yeah, this is a crybaby congregation. He looked at me, I said, well, you know, God is real and we can feel his presence. And sometimes that stirs us. So I want us to take a moment to pray for it. His name's Cece. Cece's a 26-year Navy veteran that he'd been married to his wife for 38 years. She was his world. And uh, he's wandering around a 2,400-square-foot house by himself right now at 70 years of age. And I think we just need to stop and pray for him. They're going to be having the funeral here Saturday at 3. And during that hour, I want this church on its face before God. If Cece gets saved, half my neighborhood's going to follow him. I kid you not. And I believe in whole household salvation. His son lives catty corner across from us. I'm after my neighborhood. I don't know about you, but I'm not satisfied that my neighbors aren't in church. So we're going to take a moment and pray. And I pray that this will just leap onto all of us. He said, how much is this going to cost? And I said, it's not going to cost you a thing. He says, yeah, but but I I probably should make a donation. I said, "Uh uh-uh, we will not receive your donation. I said, this is what neighbors and the church of Jesus Christ is about. And you don't have to pay a dime. You just just come here. There'll be refreshments made for you, etc. You just show up. He goes, that's kind of weird. I said, no, that's what's real. So let's take a moment. Jesus... We bring Cece and his family to you this morning, God. You see the deep, deep loss of their family and this mom and wife that was taken by cancer. And Lord, the questions that are pouring out of his mouth. Lord, I pray you'll give Elizabeth and I the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage and sets at liberty the captives with answers that are hard to come by give us. And Lord, I pray for this church. Let this church begin to see that all around them, there are life situations that are begging for the body of Christ to stand up and prevail against the gates of hell. Jesus, minister, I pray to that family. Minister this Saturday in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let's look at discernment. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now, may the Lord, may the God of peace himself sanctify you 
completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. I, I, I just want that to get into your spirit for a moment that there's this idea that I believe is almost a demonic birthing that says we got to do better, do better, do better, keep the list, keep the list. And the truth is, it's not as much about your faithfulness, but it's understanding that God is faithful in you and it's going to help you become what he designed you to become. Now, we left you off last week and I want us to go through this chart one more time of what it means to have our soul and our, aligned with our spirit. You say, what has this got to do with discernment? Your mind, will, and emotion, if it is not aligned with the Spirit of God, has a tendency to believe its own stuff. Absolutely. Has a tendency to believe cultural reality versus biblical reality and spiritual reality. And uh, so I just, we're just working on that because then we can get to the point of actually seeing God speak to us and hearing the voice of God and discerning God's voice clearly, okay? So let's, let's start here. Aligned. When my mind is aligned, I'm coming into agreement with my spirit. That means, and we're going to talk about this today, what it means when we're born again, we read to you out of John 3 that we're born not of flesh, but we're born of the Spirit. So anything good that happens in me begins inside, in my spirit, okay? So when I am aligned with the Spirit of God within me, my, my mind is this. My mind is coming into agreement with my spirit. So that whatever is inside of me, whatever is in my spirit, through Jesus Christ, my mind agrees with when I'm out of alignment, I reason from my flesh. I'm divided. I'm unreasonable. My theme song is, I feel this way, therefore it must be true. That could be further. And this culture, by the way, our culture is drowning, absolutely drowning in, well, I feel this way, it must be true. Just because you feel something doesn't mean it's true. It's been interesting to me since we started into this part of the message how there's a tension now. Because your soul, I'm going to just tell you something, your soul doesn't like what we're teaching. My soul doesn't like it. I'm having a terrible time during the week. Here's why. The soul's going, ah, time out, time out, time out. I will not give up control. Stop, stop, stop preaching this stuff. I want my own way. I want to feel. Feeling. Nothing more than feeling. Come on, take it with me. And, the, and your spirit's going, shut up and listen. You have heard it said, but I say to you, present truth. Bring your soul into alignment with your spirit. So when I'm aligned, my will will encourage itself in the Lord. Yeah, yeah. When, I, when I'm in line, what it means is, how many of you have ever had a bad day? Yeah. How many of you ever had a bad week? How about a bad month? How about a bad year? 
Oh, yeah. And things aren't going too well. And your, your will will say, listen, it's your fault. One of the fastest ways to know that you're out of alignment is if there is condemnation being spoken to you from your own heart. I do not believe God's Spirit comes and condemns us. No parent worth their salt condemns their children. They encourage. Now, encouragement may take on different forms. I can remember one of the biggest things that I had to overcome early in my life, early, being an only child for several years and having a situation where my mother was very broken. I distinctly remember the time and place. I can picture it in my mind as clear when she turned to me. And I, you know, you, I might have been a little hyper, just maybe a little. And uh, instead of encouraging me properly, it was, you are so stupid. Well, you start getting that in your spirit, you act it out. Come on. When your will is in alignment, you find out, wait a second, that's a lying voice. Yes. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. Yes. I hear condemnation. I hear accusation. But you know what? I'm not going to allow that. I'm going to encourage myself. What if, well, what if the accusation is true? You still encourage yourself in the Lord by this. What can separate me from the love of God? You still encourage yourself in the Lord that says, if I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me my sin. I keep encouraging myself in the Lord and I don't listen to the voices of condemnation in me. Because your soul will rip you to shreds. Your soul will call you every name in the book. Why? Because if you rely on the Spirit of God and you begin to encourage yourself in the Lord, the soul is loose, grip on you is going to start to loosen. And your mind, will, and emotion that is so inundated with, with cultural groupthink. That's what we're living in. If one group believes it, oh, it must be true. No, 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 no. There is a remnant God is raising up in the earth of people who believe that God's word actually is true. It actually, it was remarkable to me to watch footage this weekend. And I, I've, I've, I've been to the, uh, the, the Graham Library there in Charlotte. Beautiful, wonderful place. But did you notice something that the media doesn't want to talk about? That the moment the body of Billy Graham le left the mountain cabin and started the procedure, the process, 130 miles through the Carolinas down to Charlotte to where the library is where he'll be buried, thousands of people were lining on the street. Policemen and military were saluting. I thought, you know what? They're still beating in the heart of America a desire for the truth of the gospel. Yes. It's still there. It's, it's just little. And so I just encourage myself in the Lord. I'm not going to listen to what the lying media says. I'm going to listen to what the truthful word of God says. Yes. That there is a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Yes. Come on. And by the way, if you are a part of the camp that believes it's okay to be culturally relevant, let me tell you something. When the culture is cursing over the death of Billy Graham 
and cursing him because of his views of the Bible that were against the sin that they were committing. Let me tell you something, that same culture will reject you as a believer every time and you just better get used to it. Stop giving in. Stop it. And so when I'm in alignment, I encourage myself in the Lord. I, I won't believe the condemnation coming out of my own life. Emotions. I will trust the truth for it sets me free and brings me freedom. And there's nothing more freeing and emotional than being free in the truth. However, when I'm out of alignment, I believe what my emotions are telling me is truth, not what the Spirit is declaring. So what happens in life if you start as a believer, your soul gets a little bit out of control and you make some major bad mistakes? You get involved in some sin issue or something. Are you going to believe how you feel or are you going to believe the truth about you? Because the enemy will speak to your heart and say, you're nothing, you're a loser, you're a downer, you are just a filthy sinner. And you know what? That's not being in alignment with the truth. The truth is this, I'm in Christ, I'm a new creature, and there's some things in me that are still dying. And I, I run to Jesus. Now, we dealt with authentic authority last week. This is the last review part of this morning. And it's, but it's very important that we get this for the new material. Number one, I am born of the Spirit, not of the flesh. I cannot... In, I, I told our Sunday school class, our, our, the church in America is being carved up into three areas, three distinct camps. Two of them are... are one is way out here in a grace I don't understand. The other's over here in a legalism that is just horrid. And I want you to know you can't get to heaven by keeping the list. Okay, few of you still believe that. You've not read Matthew chapter 7. But Lord, I've done this in your name and I've done that in your name. And Jesus goes, I don't even know who you are. Because God is about relationship, not about rules. You hear me? That doesn't mean that there's not rules in the relationship. But there's this whole, well, you did this, is this, you must be horrible. No, 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 time out, time out. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. And there are times my soul wins. But I'm bringing it back into, and I'm going to show you this morning the first step in bringing it back into alignment. Okay, so I'm born of the spirit, not of the flesh. Truth cannot be discerned through your natural senses. Your senses will tell you differently. Your senses will tell you that you're not who the Bible says you are. But the Bible tells me in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. No matter how I feel, no matter what my senses tell me, if I've received Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior, if I have received him and said, I believe that you're alive, I believe that you've been resurrected, and I confess those truths with my mouth and with my heart, the Bible says that I have started a journey and his spirit has entered into my life and I'm now walking with him. And the Bible declares that I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And you go, yes, I agree with that, but there's this over here. That over there is what God's going to fix. 
but God has already set you with someone to align yourself to, and that is the Spirit of Christ within you. I think one of the most damaging things in teachings across, in my lifetime that I've heard, is this whole idea. Now listen very carefully. No one can remove you from Jesus except you. No one can separate you from the love of God except you by your own choice. And I think you would really have to go a long ways to get there. You hear me? Yeah, but I know so-and-so and they gave their heart to God and they did this, this, and this. Well, that means their soul's still in charge. We're going to deal with some terminology this morning. We're going to be the weird church on the block. Because I'm going to tell you something. Jesus didn't come to save your soul. He came to rebirth your spirit. And you can't... I, I started checking that doctrine out, save my soul. When you look at the context of everything written about that, ah, 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 it starts with, I'm born of the spirit in my spirit. And my whole lifetime is a life of bringing my soul into alignment with salvation, with, with spirit. And in the end, because here, here's the best way to illustrate. How many of you are alive this morning? I mean, you're physically, pinch yourself, you're alive? Okay. I won't ask this, but I could ask how many of you are overweight? I look in the mirror, I don't see it. I just go, I go, dude, not bad for 49. I mean, not bad at all. But here's the deal. How many of you believe that one day you'll have a glorified body? But you're still stuck in what? Not much glory there. Okay? But you believe that it's going to happen, right? So your body hasn't been born again, has it? Your body... So how about this? What happens when you die? The Bible says your spirit leaves the body. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Well, what happens to your mind, will, and emotion? It goes wherever the spirit goes. But it's your spirit that counts. Come on, everybody should be thanking God for that one. <laughs> now, I will not get lost between my experience and God's word. Because sometimes my experience doesn't add up to God's word. Sometimes the struggle in my life. You know what I'm doing is I'm preaching this is I have 20 years worth of journaling I've done so far. And I'm going back through those journals. And I'm walking through some of the struggles that I have gone through in my life. And I'm amazed. I wish I knew then what I know now. Because you can struggle with something, but once you learn how to deal with that, you don't have to struggle forever. Yes. Hallelujah. Okay? Now, if I do, this will cause frustration and wrong conclusions about God and myself. Remember, John 6, 63 is very clear that we get life from Jesus Christ. In Him, is, there's life from Him. Now, soul saved. We must learn and understand that the spirit is saved and completely changed, not necessarily your mind, will, and emotion. This is one of the big problems I see with people is that they come to know Jesus Christ, they start the journey, and they're okay for a few months. And then God calls them to a deeper place of obedience in him, and all of a sudden, 
the phone rings or the text message or whatever. Uh-oh. Pastor, I don't know if I'm saved because I just don't want to obey God in this area. Oh, you, you still, you're still a child of God. What's happening is your spirit is calling your soul into alignment. And your mind, your will, and your emotions are so used to getting their own way that the minute the Spirit of God begins to grow in you, they start pitching a fit. Whoa, 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 whoa. You can follow this Jesus as long as you keep your thinking culturally. Come on. You can follow Jesus as long. And you know, I, here's, what I, here's the tendencies I see in Christians that struggle is that they got to prove that they can be naughty and still a believer. That's the soul talking. Because right. I, I don't think any time we should go, oh, I was naughty, isn't that cute? No, 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 no. There's not a parent worth his salt that's going to go, oh, isn't that naughtiness most of the, that's just darling. Isn't that cute? Uh-uh. Not cute. Not funny. Knock it off, kid. If that's in you as a parent, where did you get that? God doesn't applaud our naughtiness. What he does is give us this Spirit within us is, line that up. Can you bring that yes. into alignment, please? I, you're still my son. You're still my daughter. My love's never changed for you. In fact, I'm head over heels in love with you. Just line that up. And it's not, this is what bothers me at the church sometimes. It's not a big production. It's not a weeping and wailing at the altar and, oh, God! No, it's not a big confession route. It's simply bringing your mind, will, and emotions into alignment with the Spirit of Christ that's in you. That He would preserve your body, soul, and spirit to be blameless at the coming of the Lord. What's it happening? I'm bringing my soul into alignment with the Spirit. There is where the big battle is and will always be. And by the way, got bad news for you. But then we'll give you good news. Bad news is your soul will never stop trying to get out of alignment. It's got tricks. It convinces you of things that are not true. We must learn and understand the spirit is saved completely and changed, not necessarily your mind, will, and emotion. Don't confuse the two. You need to start looking at yourself and say, I'm a new creation. And don't listen to the voice that goes, yeah, but. Leave the yeah, buts to the enemy and start understanding who you are in Jesus Christ. Yeah. But your soul can be transformed now to the degree that you renew your mind. Or better yet, bring your soul into alignment with your reborn spirit. When you do that, a transformation begins to happen in your life. And how many of you have heard, and we're going to do this, renew and release. How many of you have heard, if you're a fisherman, you, you understand the terms catch and release? A goofy law, but hey... Because to me, I like to eat what I catch, unless it's a sucker fish. But how about this? Instead of catch and release for the believer, how about renew and release? Yeah. Once you have received Christ and your spirit is reborn, the rest of your Christian life literally consists 
of renewing and releasing. Renewing and releasing. Renewing and releasing. My mind, this part of my brain gets renewed. I release that part. You know, the Spirit releases me from that. This area over here, my mind gets renewed. I'm released from that. And wherever there's a battle, we have... And I think, here's why I think it takes a lifetime. You say, yeah, but I, I, I just thought if I got saved, everything would be... It is. It's, it's, you're good. You're going the right direction. But the rest of your life is dealing with renewing and releasing. Well, what's the scriptural example of that? The children of Israel move from wandering in the desert to beginning to live in the promised land. But the promised land had thieves, had corrupt countries, had bad religions, etc. The whole book of Joshua, and from there on out until the coming of Christ, is all about dealing with kingdoms that need to be removed out of your life and the kingdom of God set up in its place. That's what the Christian life is. It's It's not anything else. It's that simple. That's why you struggle. I want us to do something very honest this morning because I just think there's this, and it leaves a funny taste in my mouth because sometimes I feel like I'm the only one that's transparent enough to say, I have failings. But I want you to at least turn to your neighbor and say, I struggle once in a while. Come on. Just, I struggle. Just now, don't confess it all. Please, stop. No confession here. That's to Jesus. I mean, Terry's setting up a booth over here. for No. As you renew your mind, your soul begins to come into alignment with what it sees in the spiritual mirror of the Word. Now, I want, I want to help you with something. Last week, we talked about seeing the stuff on you and, and as we look into the mirror of the word, I don't want to take us deeper into that mirror. I think for too long, we've looked in the mirror of God to see what's wrong with us. I think as an end time church, we need to shift. There's the word, Davin, shift. We need to shift to looking in the mirror and seeing what's right with us. Say what? There's things right? Oh Yeah. I look in the mirror and I can see all the stuff on my life or I can peer long enough into the Word of God to I begin, where I begin to see who I am in Jesus Christ. I begin to say, you know what? I, I see that mustard stain there on my robe of righteousness, but behind that, I'm created like Jesus. I'm a new creature in Him. and I, My righteousness is just terrible, but... His righteousness is awesome. I can put that on. And we began to see who we are in the mirror of the word to where we begin to bring our soul into alignment with the good things of the word of God. Yes. Yes. Are, are you, you, yes. you catch? Psalms 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Yes. How many times do we get into the word and we say, and the bless the Lord, oh my soul, is almost like a swear word. Bless the Lord. Hi-yi-yi. I didn't know I was that messed. How about this? Bless the Lord. Man, God, there's benefits in this word for me. I, I can't believe I can, I can be everything you want me to be because of what you've done. 
By the way, you need to become a connoisseur of Psalms 103 because it says his anger is but for a moment, but his mercy is for a lifetime. Are you there? I think we preach anger more than we preach mercy. What is already in your spirit releases into your soul and body. And I'm going to use a very practical example. Greg couldn't find me once, so you're going to have to just think this up in your head as I go. Body control. How do I control my flesh? Well, spirit and soul alignment is two parts of you against one part of you. Yes. It's just two against one. No, 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 no. Supernatural flow of life, though, will stop when your soul agrees with your body and is dominated by the natural realm. You can't have supernatural flowing and natural flowing. That's mixed up. And so the best way for me to overcome these things in my life is I have to bring my mind, will, and emotion into agreement with Jesus that's inside of me. Now, where the battle really is, is actually within the soul, where your mind listens to your emotions and makes decisions based on you, how you feel, and your will just goes wherever the emotions take you. But the real battle is won when your mind tells the emotions to stop it for a moment, the will's going, who do I believe, who do I believe? And you line your mind up with the Spirit of God. The will and the emotions will come along because they're a whole. They're part of a whole. Now, everybody go to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. You getting there? You still there? You, you okay? Did the snow mess your brain up this week? kind of a place does it snow in February? Aye. James 2.26, for the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. I want you to think about this. Your mind, will, and emotions aren't the real you. The real you is your spirit. That's who you are. The real you is your spirit. But the enemy tries to convince you the real you is your thoughts, your emotions, your choices. That must be who you really are. And this isn't some mind game, friends. This is honest truth. Believers too many times go after what they think and feel and their choices, and that must define them. When we've got to come to the point of children of God, where we let the scripture define us by the person of Jesus Christ. And then I bring my soul into alignment with what the Bible tells me that I am. And what happens is the soul has to begin to relinquish control. You may function out of your soul believing that what you think and feel is reality. But God's word says differently. Life comes from your spirit. It has no direct access. Now listen to this. How many of you would really like for us to be a supernatural church where people get healed. Come on. I mean, how many of you would like to be the type of believer that can pray for people and see a change in their life? How many of you would like to have an anointing in your life that literally begins to break off bondages off of people that you know and brings them into the, into, to the body of Christ? Yes. Well, let me see your hand. Yes. Okay. 
Life comes from your spirit and it has no direct access to your body except through your soul. Oops. I, it, you, I used to just call out to God, God. You know, and I'd, re, I'd read the, like, uh, Richard Baxter's reformed pastor from the Puritan age, and I'd read all these stuff. This is how to get anointing. And I finally one day, and I wrote in my journal, I finally wrote, I'm fed up. I asked for anointing, I just get more temptation. I asked for God, give me the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage, and it just, it, I get worse. I have issues. Mind wanders off here, drags me along with, and, and all I wanted, God, was the anointing. And, th and there's some good dear saint out there, God bless him. Well, you're under attack by the enemy. Uh-uh. Enemy has nothing to do with it at this point. It's my choices that are an issue, and I'm choosing not to see who I am in Jesus, but I'm choosing to listen to my soul that says... This is what you, and, and then so you go to churches where they're really into it. And I believe I, I'm as charismatic as Pentecostal as any of you. But I'm going to tell you something. Just because you fall over and get knocked out in the spirit or dance before the Lord or whatever, doesn't change your soul. And half the time that stuff is done in the flesh because the soul hasn't been brought in alignment with the spirit. Let me tell you something. You get around people who've really brought their soul in the alignment of the Spirit of God, you'll think they're crazy. You'll think, these are the nuttiest people I've ever been around. I mean, they're calling things out. They're laying, and it's just going up. What's happened? Their souls come in line with their spirit. They don't care. And their body's following where their mind took them. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Here's the deal. You do something in the flesh that's not right. And you, you've got several options you can go. You can, you can wail and moan about it. You can throw, you know, cut yourself. You can, you can do whatever it is that you think is going to make that body come into agreement. But the problem is the Spirit of God has no access to your body except through your mind, will, and emotion. So if I'm going to have supernatural flow in my life, I've got to get my mind in line with the supernatural not with my sin not with my senses not with and i mean let's face it our senses of touch taste smell hearing all that stuff they're very persuasive how i see things with my eye can be very damaging to me or i can turn and begin to look in god's word to see what i'm really like but if I bring my mind, will, and emotion into alignment with the Spirit of God, it gives access for the supernatural to then touch my body. Are you hearing me? That's why miracles aren't happening in the modern day church today is everybody's wanting a quick fix to let's just get the anointing and have glory clouds and all this. Stop it for a minute. You can wallow in gold dust of the glory cloud till the cows come home, friends. But if your soul is not in line with the Spirit of God, it's not affecting you. Yeah. You walk out of the room the same as you came in. You say, how do you know that? Example, example. I've had the best of the best pray for me and walk out of the room the same way I went in. 
I'm not kidding you. I've, I've been around some circles that would shock some of you. And I'm going to tell you something. They can impart to you till they're purple. But if your soul is not in alignment with your spirit, it'll be sensational at best and you will not be any different. However, if I allow the spirit of God to help me begin to encourage myself in the Lord, I think the greatest anointing in your life comes when you and Jesus are alone and you begin to let him impart to you out of your spirit. Oh, the impartation of God's spirit into you and it'll touch your body. I'm going to tell you something and I say this with, with a lot of not hesitancy but caution. I believe that a lot of illnesses in our body is a direct result of our soul being out of alignment with our spirit. David said when he hadn't repented to the Lord of something that he'd done, he says, my bones grew old within me. What was wrong? What was wrong? It, it took Nathan the prophet to come to David. And we see, we, we, we see it publicly because it, God captured that moment for our benefit. I don't believe that God works that way in this hour where we just expose everybody's sin. That's not what I'm talking about. God comes through Nathan the prophet though and says, you need to get this lined up. You're, you're, you're not being honest with yourself, David. Line it up. Get it in alignment. And the Bible says in Psalms 51, he says, you want truth in the inner man. You want, you want me to bring this into alignment. Now, life comes from your spirit. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the example I want to start moving into. You ready? How many of you here? You ready? Valve. How many of you know what a valve is? Okay. I, I was hoping to get like maybe a faucet valve or something to show you. But your soul is the valve between the spirit and the body. So think about this. You have the Spirit of God. If you could draw three, like three circles and have the Spirit, Spirit, soul, body, between the Spirit and the soul, there's a shut off or turn on valve. Okay? That valve controls the flow of the Spirit into your soul. And then there's another valve down here that controls what's going on in the soul into your body. Your soul is the valve between the spirit and the body, okay? Whatever's going on in the, with the spirit and soul, you can shut off or turn on that valve. When you open the valve, what's in your spirit can flow in your body. When you open the soul and bring it into alignment with the spirit of God, it's like turning on a faucet of supernatural reality and power into your body that begins to change everything around you. We pray all the time, Lord, as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. Just like he taught us to pray. Your will be done on, in earth as it's being done in heaven. And he's going, that's a good prayer, but what's going to happen is it's only when your soul is opening the valve of heavenly stuff that's in your spirit that it'll touch your body.
Are you, are you following me? It's, a, it's like a valve. When you open the, the valve of what's in your spirit, well, then why do we, why do we pray for people? We're help, the best way, if you've ever seen a valve get stuck, maybe it's rusted shut. You have to get tools. Like when, I, when I was a fireman, there, we, we would have to go out and check all the buildings, especially the public ones, and make sure all their systems were at work. And every once in a while, you'd find a, we had these big turning valves. They would get rusted out. And if they got stuck, the owners of that building were in big trouble because one of the ways to get water is we would come and flip that valve on and feed, have a water feed to put out the fire. Well, if those got rusted or stuck, one of our jobs was to make sure that never happened, that the valve always opened with ease. Right. Well, here's what anointing is about. Anointing is the oil that comes and begins to unstick yeah. the valve. It begins to make it. So that's why we pray for one another. What we're doing is we're taking a hammer to people's valves and cracking it open so they can then move that valve between their soul and spirit with ease so that it touches their body. Are, are you hearing me? If you get this into your... I, I was going through 20 years, man. I'm not kidding you. And I began to mark in my journals, wow, stuck valve there, stuck valve there. That valve whew, doesn't even exist. We need to put one in there. And you begin to look at this. What I'm finding is, now listen to this. Instead of living a life of guilt and condemnation, I can turn that and say, you know what? We need to get this valve open right here. We need to, we need to, and, and what I've been doing to get valves open is I've been listening to songs that, for instance, I got a, I got a devotional list that it's, it's, it's literally singing the Psalms. Yes. So I'm cracking those vows by the word of God. Why? I want to be able to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I want to be able to cast out demons in his name. I want there to be life-changing things happen, not momentary things happening. I want to see the true glory of God, not just a, a whipped up glory of God. And how that happens is I bring my soul into alignment with the Spirit and it's like turning the valve on. And, and here's, how, here's how Jesus put it. He, he, he talked about in John 7, 38, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. What's he saying? Out of you are going to flow rivers of the Spirit of God. And I speak that prophetically over you this morning. And I speak it over the person that has just messed up so bad that you don't think it could ever happen in your life. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God is coming in the last days to crack the valves open. And out of your bellies, and your bellies, and your bellies is going to flow the supernatural presence of the Lord. Why? Because I'm bringing my soul into alignment. And the devil is going to shriek and scream at you. And he's going to try to manipulate your flesh. But you will stand strong knowing that you've looked in the mirror of the Word of God. And you've learned you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You've learned your body was bought with a price. And it wasn't of your own. You see yourself from a heavenly perspective. Because the valves in your life have been opened. Open for the Spirit of God to flood through you. This church 
If we can get that into our minds and stop trying to fix people at a soulish level, but begin to be people that are valve experts. Valve experts. Somebody's struggling. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to oil your valve. I'm going to, we're going to get the oil of the word of God into that rust. See, see, a lot of people in the church, it's just rust. They've not cracked that thing open for years. Oh, they've gone to church. They've lifted their hands. They've done their worship thing. And the valve stayed shut because the minute they hit the doors, I know I've been one of them. But God is saying, listen, in the last days, I'm looking for a church that I can crack open. I'm looking for a church to allow its valves to be, but, but what about my past? What about all the mistakes I've done? Do you think God's up in heaven? So this, so this, is, this is the picture I had of God for a while. And God just, really, here's God. Oh my gosh. They've done so bad things. Oh, Gabriel, I'm just about to have a stroke from all this stuff. <laughs> Their sin is just driving me nuts. And I, I want to do good, but how can I do good to them? Because they're so naughty and sinful. And, and we almost think that God's in a stress over us. Or we have this, this is the other end of it. I'm going to kill them. I'm going to kill them all. I'm going to ruin their lives. I'm going to tear them up. They'll not disobey me anymore. Bless God, I'm going to hit for distance. Both pictures are not true. Because in heaven, this is what's going on. There is one with nail scars in his hand that Hebrews tells me he ever lives to make intercession. He's alive at the throne room of God making intercession for me. And what is he making intercession? Over these things over here? No, these things don't go away till we repent. What he's making intercession for us is this. Open the valve, open the valve, open the valve. I want to see out of their bellies flowing rivers of living water. Oh, Father, I pray for them that their valves would be open. I pray that the soul would come into alignment with the Spirit. Open the valve, open the valve, open the valve. And you know what? That's the church that hell cannot prevail against. Why? The flow is not out of their flesh, but the flow is a direct download from the Spirit of God into the culture. Mm. Let me tell you something. I just think we, this church, and I'm talking to true life, you've taken a beating for way too long. I, as your pastor, have taken a beating. Some of our families have taken a beating for way too long. And it's time to crack open the valves. It's time to open up the valves and let the Spirit of God flush through our souls into our bodies. It's time to bring the mind into alignment. Stop thinking you have all the answers. Bring that stinking, dirty mind into alignment with the Spirit of God and let Him clean it out all the way through. Yeah, but I've just done this. Listen, when you got up this morning, what you did yesterday didn't count today. Because his mercies were brand new this morning. You say, well, well, I did some bad things. Sure. And God's in heaven going, huh? Naughty list, naughty list. Not very nice list. 
I'm not denigrating sin. I'm just telling you there's nothing I can do about it yesterday. Today I can't fix what I did yesterday. But I can get rid of it. What? If I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me my sin and to just cleanse me from all unrighteousness. If I can find a church that is willing to crack open their mind and bring it into the alignment with the Spirit of God and who will practice daily cleansing, we're on the road to revival. Very quickly, and we'll wrap this up. Angel, why don't you come? How many of you just feel the power of God is just here? I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Who? My goodness. My goodness. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. See, I just don't think you understand that God doesn't have regrets about you. Do you hear me? God isn't up there regretting, oh, you know, that Ron Strobel, I wish I'd have never took him in. Oh, the dude is such a mess. And that, you know, you know, you know, John Stricker is such a mess. I don't know why I took the dude in. No, here's what God's doing. I got hope for these guys. And I'm calling them into hope. I'm calling them to a hope. What is the hope of his calling? And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? See, it's not toward us who do things. It's toward us who believe. According to the working, now look at this, of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in his right hand in the heavenly places. What's happening is what's going on in Jesus is to be done in us. And Jesus, later on, Paul would write, I'm going to, you know what? I want to be seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I want my valve open. I want an alignment. It's possible to have the power of God in you and it never come out. Now listen to me. If your soul keeps the truth of the Spirit out until you look long enough into the mirror of the Word and see the real you, the power of God will never come through you. You can kind of have a feeling about it. But then it's like the grass, it fades away. Every time you renew your... You know, I've, I've wondered how it is, and I've spent a lot of time on this one with experts in this field. I was with them this last week. And I thought, how is it that people can endure persecution? I mean, physical and mental persecution for the cause of Christ. Here's why. Their valves are open. Their mind is in line with their spirit. And their spirit goes, don't worry. I'm bigger than this. This is how crazy it gets. You read in the book of Acts, Peter's been put in jail. Locked up. He's done. The Bible says the new baby church begins to pray. And they're praying, they're wailing before God. They're asking God, Lord, set the captive free. Jesus, you see Peter. And Lord, if you leave him in that jail very long, you'll probably hit the jailer. I mean, Peter shouldn't be locked up. Jesus set him free. And all of a sudden, there's a knock on the door. The maid opens the door. 
Look, there stands Peter. Because as they were praying, the angels of the Lord came and released him from prison. She looks and goes, who are you? Click. No idea because their soul wasn't in line with the power of God that what they spoke God had done. I think that's the reason we don't see answered prayer sometimes. Is God's answering the prayer, but we don't see it. And it knocks on our door. Hello? (laughs) What you prayed for? I'm right here. (laughs) Hello? And our soul is all the time going, it can't happen, it can't happen, can't happen, can't happen, I'll never be free, never be free, can't happen, can't happen. And it convinces us until we bring it into alignment with the Spirit, all of a sudden, wow, God can fix me. I can be different. I can be different. Every time you renew your mind, you crack the valve to the Spirit open. It's a lifetime ambition, by the way. If you are dominated by what you feel, your soul is agreeing with the natural realm. Physical, when your soul agrees with your spirit, the life of God in you will begin to show itself in your body. Healing, deliverance, anointing, victory, joy, prosperity, etc. depends on an open valve. Victory is in renewing your mind and releasing the Spirit of God. And I want to go over these three things, just blitz through them, and then we're going to pray. How do I get the valve open, Pastor? Proverbs chapter 1. Everybody go to Proverbs chapter 1. Say, Proverbs, uh uh-oh. Proverbs is serious stuff. I don't like Proverbs. I'm not a real fan either because it can punch you in the face. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 22. Now Solomon kind of lays it out there, and he's not polite, okay? How long, you simple ones, Will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. But if you will turn at my rebuke, surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you again. What's he talking about? He's talking about get the valve open, and when you open that valve, there's some good things. Now go quickly. Let's couple this with Acts chapter 3. Everybody go to Acts chapter 3. Come on, quickly, quickly. Get your phone buzzing. Come on. Acts chapter 3. Verse 19. This is the valve. You can write in your Bible, valve scripture. Valve open scripture. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord soul in alignment and that's what the first step is cracking the valve is learning to live a life of repentance and by the way you're never going to repent just once as you begin this journey and as you're walking this journey you will learn that repentance is an ongoing lifestyle number one repentance changes my desires Repentance begins with the decision that, you know what, where I'm at right now doesn't work. I'm going to turn around. Repentance is deliberately, on purpose, saying no to sin. And by the way, it's not wearing a t-shirt later that says, I said no to sin. Because the minute you said, I say no to sin, that sin that so easily besets you is going to be a problem to you. 
And so you just start by saying this time, at this temptation, at this point, no. Because let me tell you something, the temptation will be back. Oh, come on. Yep, it'll be back. But get your valve open and pretty soon your desires begin to change regarding that sin. James 1, 14 and 15 says that I sin because I listen to the, my desires. Now, repentance is deliberately. Repentance gives us a new purpose and direction. You see, you, see, we've been sold this bill of goods that repentance is some kind of thing that we run to the altar and we weep and wail and, and then we go, we go confess to everybody what we did. Blah, 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 blah. God says, uh-uh. Turn yourself around. And see the hope and purpose that I have for you. And begin walking toward the hope and purpose. Repentance is the first step in retraining our lives to be godly. You know what it means to be godly? It doesn't mean you wear some special robe and have a crown on your head and you wave to everybody like the queen. I am godly. No. What it means to be godly is every day you make the right decision. What it means to be godly is every day when you make the wrong decision, you make the right decision by repenting of the wrong decision. That's what it means to be godly. Repentance gives us hope. So the first thing I know is that when I repent, God changes my desires. The second thing I know is that when I repent, repentance changes the way I feel. Here's why has nothing to do with my external circumstances. It changes me because repentance, now listen to this, you talk about mind-blowing. I used to get so, and I wrote one, I have a, I, all my journals are written to my children. And I'd written one day to my children going, I'm so frustrated with my brain. And blah, blah, and I tell them what I'm frustrated with. And here's the deal. Here's what I found out through life. It's kind of, I think if there's jokes in heaven, if there's kidding around, this is what it's about. The father chuckles. He's repenting again. That means we're going to be in touch today. Oh, you don't get it. Every time you repent, it's a time when you're in touch with Jesus. That doesn't mean you go out and sin so you can be in touch with Jesus. But because Romans 6 says, grace abounds here. What, what, what are we doing sinning? Because we don't sin because of grace. But what happens is the more, as I live a life of repentance, those are times that God is in touch with me and he coaxes me into continually growing. Okay, I heard what you said, son. Now let's get up. Yeah, but what about... No, get up, get up, get up, get up. Keep moving. If you don't quit, you win. Keep moving. Yeah, but what? Keep moving. I'll even clean up your mess. Number three, repentance changes the way I think. What happens when I'm a repenter? I become grateful. Oh, and this isn't in the notes, so this is extra. I quit being judgmental. 
What? Oh yeah, when I'm a person of repentance, I don't look at somebody else's sin and go, oh, fart, crying out. Get that, what is, oh, oh. No, <laughs> I was there yesterday, dude. Let's repent together. We'll get this cleaned up. You, you, you move away from judgment because you realize just two days ago, that's where you were. Oh, God, help. And God's going, I'm glad you're in touch. And I just want to know, the more you repent, I'm going to change how you think about others. Wow. I want to read to you a scripture. I want you to stand. I want you to clean, close your eyes for a moment. Mindy, find a song and we're going to end with this. Close your eyes. Just close your eyes. We're, we're going we're gonna to do some soul praying. We're going to crack open a valve this morning. This is Psalms 25. Unto you, O Lord, do I lift my mind, my will, and emotion. It says, unto you do I lift my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Don't let my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, none of you, who, none who wait for you, shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth. Teach me salvation. For you are the God of my salvation. And on you I wait all day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfastness. For they have been from old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs me, the sinner, in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble these ways. The paths of the Lord are steadfast and faithful for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Turn to me, be gracious to me, for I'm lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart, God, are enlarged. Bring me out of my distress. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. And guard my mind, will, and emotion and deliver me. Don't let me put, be put to shame because today, God, I am taking refuge in you. How many of you need your valve cracked open this morning? Come on. Get the tools to that opening up in the air this morning. Lift your hands all over this house. God does not see you as a wanton, horrible, disobedient child. He sees the one that he sent his son, Jesus, for. Oh God, open the valve of this church right now. Open our soul. Bring our soul, oh God, into alignment. We prophesy right now an aligned church. We proclaim an aligned church. We proclaim a church that is bringing its soul into alignment with the Spirit of God. Come on. Come on.